Long past the hour for quitting labour, amid the smoke-filled haze of the south gate, the after-lodge crew continues to linger in the rubbish of the temple, under the watchful eyes of right-worshipful Grand Censor Bob. Not recognised nor endorsed by any grand or subordinate lodge of regular masons, irregular masons, co-masons, Canadian masons, or internet wannabe masons, they banter on as always. Puffing cigars, drinking stale coffee, making terrible jokes, studying agency law, spreading the intemperance and excesses of digital masonry, and generally disappointing all seven of their podcast subscribers. Do yourself a favor and stop listening now. Only trolls and masochists dare to eavesdrop upon this After Lodge banter. Welcome to episode 247 of the After Lodge podcast. And yes, I actually said 247. It's not a uh, poor dub job like in uh, some previous shows. That's this great. is After Lodge Harlan, uh, coming to you from a fraternally safe distance in the middle of nowhere with my partner in crime, worshipless producer Bruce. Good evening, everybody. Sir John. Live from my battle bunker in the St. Paul, Minneapolis metropolitan area. And this gallon jug of Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Um, because I wanted to be cool and not run out of bourbon. So, uh, Oh, and Tony. Make any gay bourbon, Harlan. What is it? Why don't they make any gay bourbon? Because it's Kentucky. Ah, why, why would you even need to ask that? <laughs> I did not think that went through. Oh, good God. Uh, yeah, no, so Tony's here, too. Tony, howdy. Say, say a word or two. Can you hear me? No, yes. Now? Yes, we can hear you. Tony, turn your, turn your mic up, Tony. Much, much better. Do you, Bruce, do I still need to turn the mic up? I think you have to put it inside your mouth when you talk. Here it Is this better? <laughs> Can you hold it right there the whole show? Yeah. Tony, you want to get that molar checked out. I think a dentist is going to be pissed. That is definitely a cavity. Wait, what orifice are we in right now? What's up, gentlemen? I don't oh, and, got teeth, so I hope the mouth. Marshall! Producer Marshall has arrived. What's up? The, What's up, brother I, Tony? I told everybody about What's the giant bottle of whiskey, and then as producer Marshall shows up. So, <laughs> it's like he was watching. I didn't even know they made Knob Creek and bottles that big. Marshall, did you see this thing? One well, Marshall's the one who gave me the idea. People like me. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall brought it to one of our virtual lodges, and then I, I had to have some, but I couldn't go to his house to get any because fraternal distancing and all that. So I offered. Eh, my wife's not going to let me go places. I, I married a nurse, y'all. I, I have to actually do the right thing. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, did, did your wife know we just came back from Florida when she invited us to your house in a uh, little bit here? Oh. Maybe, but that's so. If you don't know how uh, how yard or deck parties work, uh, everybody is appropriately spaced and outside. So, okay, uh, we've done quite a few of those. <laughs> it's kind of awkward because you're having a conversation and you're like yelling because you know you're sitting way too six far. feet apart. 
It's usually a little more than six feet. Um, but then, like, all the kids are just running around playing together because so it kind of defeats the point. Uh, Tony, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> I just got a cleavage shot of Tony. I'm, I'm kind of scarred. We couldn't, we couldn't hear him earlier. He was trying to adjust the mic and ended up in his mouth. I'm, I'm not sure where it is right now. So that's that's actually inside of his mouth. I see hair. I was, I was thinking a different, a different mouth-like orifice. Okay. Hey guys, I just want to say I haven't got to see you all in a while. I, it's nice seeing all you all. I hope everybody's been well. We have been. We've been missing you at our uh, virtual lodge meetings. Uh, well, I, I see where you've been having the meetings. I just didn't want to go. <laughs> so just like normal meetings but you know the last one all of you guys didn't go and then you left me with with the old guy to be fair i told you at least a half a day beforehand i wasn't going to be there it was just me it was just me and him and then the master who's like finding excuses to be indisposed not there say tony say tony you're not the only one we do that to <laughs> If I'm not there, who's the old guy? Ooh. I ain't calling anybody out. But he's an old guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that we have any old guys other than me. Everybody else is either in a nur- nursing home or they're COVID social distancing up. Bunker. We got we got Grand Sensor yeah, Bob. And the Grand Masonic Bunker. We have. Uh... That gives you a little picture of things to come. Someday you will be the old man table. You'll be the old man table. Speaking of which, what's up with the Beatles haircut? Huh? The Beatles haircut. That's a that's a new thing for you. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not he going no damn barber right now. They're talking to me. You know how many people's how many people's hairs they touch? I ain't going to. I ain't been out of my bunker for like seven weeks now. I'm not gonna lie, man. You're looking a little Rico Suave over there. <laughs> watch it, watch this. You got the little hair swoop going on. Oh shit! <laughs> I could be the Superman. Sounds like thing. this. I'm glad this is an audio podcast. <laughs> are you are you kidding me? It's really an audio podcast. It's not. Well, you're not doing this on YouTube or whatever. No, we're we're on YouTube live at the moment. Uh, <laughs> most most of our fans catch us as a podcast. Uh, there's a few that can see you swooshing your hair. Well. Is there anybody actually listening? Because I want to show you uh, what I got in the mail. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and it—it uh, uh, wasn't. I went downtown the other day, and it wasn't well received. So uh, you all talk among yourselves, and I'll be back in a minute. Oh, get this out of good. I've already seen Tony pull out three new toys, and that was before we even hit the record button. Well, yeah, so he so, hasn't been able to travel for work, so he's been at home ordering all of his silly <laughs> online things. He's probably got his like well, the bottom of his house full of just internet junk. I mean, <laughs> before before we even hit the record, Tony's like, "I got to get ready," and all of a sudden he pulls out like this blackjack on a looper from around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where. Don't surprise me. 
No, not weird at all. <laughs> that made me miss Lodge so much because Tony and like his silly internet toys that he picked up the week before. Like you never know what he was gonna show up to Lodge with. Well, at, at one at one time he, he purchased probably half of what Wish.com had, <laughs> and they have a lot. <laughs> Oh, no, this was back when he was master, so it was like the early days of Wish, and he just bought a box of junk and then raffled off (laughs) a of junk at every meeting. I've still got one of those plastic pocket knives. Yeah. Oh, It wasn't even like Masonic junk. It was just... Just miscellaneous shit. (laughs) It was like this plastic camo knife. I think there were uh, there was these weird like little silicone esque balls on a string. I, I still don't know what those were about, but well, I'll I'll, I'll give you instructions after we're off the show, Harlan. I've I've yeah, seen a yeah, I've I, seen a video or two. I mean, they they've got a little like circle thing. I guess you hang them up somewhere. Oh, like, yeah, some kind of, some yeah, kind of yeah, charm. Like... Or <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> What is happening? Oh, so Tony's back. Uh, That's that's officially a screenshot. I I grabbed all that. Chloe, Tony's ready here. Tony's ready for the plague. Yeah, well, yeah. True story. This is an absolutely true story. You have the plague. Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, so you know our guy that always supplies the food at the fair? He comes yeah. every year and supplies the food, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't have the fair this year because of COVID. It's hard to breathe in this thing. Anyway, so, so we didn't have the fair this year because of COVID, right? So, yeah. But the city goes ahead and invites him or allows him to set up on the fairgrounds and still sell the fair food. There's just no rides, no booths, you know, just the fair food. And anyway, he did pretty well. So I want to go support the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I think it, and so I think it would be hilarious that I just got this stuff in the mail. And we have to wear a mask, right? So I think it would be hilarious to go visit them and buy my food wearing my night temper get up. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it's definitely hilarious. That's and, a word. and my Dr. Plague mask. My wife told me before I left the house, she said, don't you go out in that. I said, honey, it'll be okay. It'll be, this will be hilarious. And you said to hell with you. So I, I do what I want. I go up to where our food guy is, our fair food guy. I get in line. I never thought a thing about it, but I go up there and I get, you know, my sloppy fries or chili fries and a bean stick or whatever. And I go on back to my truck and I go on back uh, back home. I wish the the entire I could see your face folding in and out as you're (laughs) every time every time he takes a deep breath, I see his face collapse inward and then burst back out. (laughs) So the next day I go back up there with my wife. And we're gonna support him again, right? 
Well, Larry, the guy that owns the place, comes over to me and says, what the hell were you thinking? And I said, what do you mean? He says, my guys, who all of his workers just happen to be African-American, said, you came up here in your Ku Klux Klan outfit and was trying to scare them off. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, my God, that is not what I had to go and apologize to every single one of them. And uh, but, yeah, it was a. that's that actually happened. I never, I never, I didn't think that way. So I didn't think anybody would take it that way. But yeah, it was, uh, it was taken that way. Hmm. So. Yes. Pub, public service announcement to my fellow Sir Knights. If you are going out in any sort of public whatever with your uh, cap and mantle on, leave the hood down right now. <laughs> Please, yeah. for the love of God. Well, you're probably not. You're probably not too smart going out with your Templar cross blazoned across your across your chest. Right? Also, very true. Yeah. Says, says the guy. Says the guy who tried to order chili fries <laughs> in full battle rattle. That actually happened. So I so I don't get to wear this out. And put, I lost my eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> I had to recompose myself. Sorry. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh man. Uh-huh. Tony, we're uh, we're gonna be able to reassemble in the lodge hall on the 18th, and I need you to wear that getup to lodge. That is that is per the Grand Master's specific instructions last night about reopening do's and don'ts. Uh, you have to wear a mask because you're over 65. That qualifies as a mask. Boy, howdy! You you realize what the media would do if they've got a shot of something like this going into the lodge meeting. <laughs> no, I, I realize exactly what they would do. Hey man, any, any free publicity is good publicity. Yes. I mean, that's how this podcast continues to exist. Like it's not because people are, are recommending us. It's like, Hey, did you believe what these did last week? Yeah. It's, it's not for quality of content. It's because we verbally like, Farts. I mean, well, on a regular basis, guys like Tony showing up in that. <laughs> oh. oh Lord! <laughs> oh, I've missed you guys. <laughs> yeah, we. Um, so, Tony, since you're here, because you'll you'll figure this out eventually. Um, well, first, welcome back. Since we haven't actually recorded a podcast since. Uh, May 13th, uh, but more importantly than that, uh, episode 245 went out on the on the website today, and one of the things I was noting in that podcast was the best laid plans of mice and men. I talked at the beginning about how we would be fully caught up in a week or so back <laughs> when we recorded that. <laughs> <laughs> it took like a month. Uh, at- Activate last track. Yeah, we're we're mostly we're mostly there. Uh, there's one more episode. Uh, but Tony, you made a wise crack on the last show you were on, which who remembers when that was? But it was a while back, and you had to make that crack at the end of the show about well, by the time this gets out, uh, let me tell you guys why you should go to a Passover seder. And then I realized as I was posting that show that it was two weeks after Passover. <laughs> Uh, and i i didn't cut out that entire portion to save face so it's all there 
after lodge listeners you can uh witness I, I, me and all of my i'm afraid we finally truly discovered that tony is indeed an oracle oh lord save us all <laughs> Welcome to the end times. <laughs> uh, hey, Marshall. Yes, sir. You're supposed to have a bottle of special sauce for me, I thought. Ah, uh, well, I'm uh, trying to get my stuff together with this cold, this, this corona crap. Everything's been delayed. And I finally got it all together. I got to uh, get the, I'm waiting on my, uh, my new batch to, finish doing what it's done in the jug then I gotta run it but the other stuff's not ready for it yet. yeah I was really disappointed to find out that if I tried to make my own special sauce up here I would be doing a, a, a year in the pokey oh well, that's possible here too but fuck it I don't give a shit I do but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's well I'm in a perfect spot so you really can't decipher where it's coming from where i live so yeah not so much in my house <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally surrounded by by distilleries so it'll all just blend in yeah fair enough that's also why you get that weird moss fungus stuff growing on the side of your house every year you gotta <laughs> yeah i gotta oh yeah yeah i gotta I got to spray off block shit off my house every. In fact, I'm getting ready to do it this weekend. So uh, anybody wants to help, come on. Yeah, I'm only 400 miles away. It's just a, like a 10 hour motorcycle ride, I think, or something like that. I figured it out. Yeah, it's just down the road, man. Yeah. You know, John, it's summertime, so. Hey, hey, hey. For- Either late August or early September, I want to ride back down there. We're gonna do we're gonna do another live show. Awesome. We were oh, talking well, about our return visit, like where we were gonna return the favor since you've been here twice. <clears throat> and then well, then the world ended and now well, not just the coronavirus, but your city's like on fire. So well a, a city up <laughs> So as we were discussing before the, the, the episode had started, St. Paul, Minneapolis are two separate cities with a river running between them. It's not the same city. However, yes. Yeah, well, but you sound like, like one of those people from New York who's trying to explain why like Queens and Crown Heights are not the same city. Like it's it's all New York, man. Like to the rest of the world, it's the same. Yeah, city. yeah, that's <laughs> uh, probably very true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to the rest of us, we just think Minneapolis, St. Paul is that that's its name. It's yeah. hyphenated in true like. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> like the two cities got married. Look, it's Rambo. Hey, uh, Tony, you're holding your gun upside down, bud. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. And for our listeners, Tony has <laughs> shown up with his Ram- Rambo headband and a couple of, well, I worry enough, I guess that's a shotgun and his. Oh, is that an 870, Tony? It's got a wooden handle. <laughs> 
Uh, There's uh, Red Rider on the side of it. <laughs> oh, careful! You got to have like a special permit to own that one. That's a you'll uh, shoot your eye out. Careful. Yeah, those are crazy dangerous. All right. Actually, actually Tony looks like me sleeping under the recliner the first couple nights of the riots up here. So, <laughs> I, I, I I'm not going to pass judgment. I, I think I shared that picture with everybody on 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 the uh, Slack channel. I had heard that some of them anti-fi or anti-fi. You hit it right the first time. I heard that some of them anti-fi was going to come out to the rural areas. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> they come out here to the rural areas. They ain't going Red home. Get <laughs> As he drops a dip. <laughs> they ain't going home. Ain't that right, Marshall? Uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. Right on. Just so, just so everybody knows, I've got my forty right here. I bought it from Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it, brother. Oh, I was about. <laughs> I bought it from another guy named Marshall. <laughs> it was my other brother, Marshall. Your other what brother. What do you mean, serial number? Oh. <laughs> uh, the way I've got a, my, my setup here, guys, in case you're wondering, here I've got a shotgun, which is the preferred weapon <laughs> of the Democrats, Joe Biden. No, so, that, 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 that's a breech barrel over under. Yours is slightly different. <laughs> shotgun. Uh, <laughs> and so this is the preferred weapon of the Democrats. And just and so if so if if the Democrats come after me, I'm going to show that I got a shotgun and I was one of them. <laughs> if the Republicans come after me, I got my ARK-57, <laughs> and I'm going to show them that I was one of them. <laughs> so depending on who answers the door. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is you have both, so they're gonna think you're a libertarian and you get shot either way. You get shot by both of them, Tony. <laughs> See, this oh, is my. this is after Lodge. It's not this, this, without Tony and his This is something that I'm especially proud of. And this is the honest to God truth. This was given to me by a young friend of mine. That brought it back from Afghanistan. Who was that? Kmart. No, and I wiped all the blood off of it. Oh, it's a proper bayonet. I'm proud of you. And it, it is. Oh shoot. Now my mouth tastes like oil. <laughs> So uh, anyway, it was blood from Afghanistan. Oh God! So There's anyway, hey, that's no kid. He's a brother, and he said he had to smuggle this back. He said there's a whole pile of them, but that that came back from Afghanistan, or it might have been Iraq. I get them messed that, up. They're they're both over there. That just looks <laughs> so, like a standard issue bayonet. <laughs> like, does it fit on an M4? It it's got a it's got the right ring. 
and the right clamp. I know that. I know those too well. What is it? No, that's a, that's an army issued. Uh, it's, it's the, the army M- surplus special, man. It's the M five. M yeah, God, three, I don't even remember. It should say five, on. Seven, yeah, something. no, that that's well. I mean, the ring's bent to, shit, but I mean, you're good. Yeah, you can mount that on a. Because I tried to put it, I thought it was a belt loop thing, and it wouldn't fit on my belt right, and I had to bend it. That's <laughs> no, for, the, for the, the muzzle of your anatomy to pass through. I'm yeah, serious. A, a, a good buddy of mine brought this back from one of them Middle Eastern places, and uh, and brought it back to me. And, this is how we're gonna see Tony on that uh, sex sent me to the ER show. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing this, putting everybody on full notice that if they come at me, if they give me enough movie time seven. to figure out how to use this stuff, they in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> use it. <laughs> Tony, if you could pick up the camera and, and give us a tour of the rest of your place, so uh, all the uh, antifas and the profas will will know what you've got and why they don't want to come there. That's one of my first deer I shot right up there. That was the tight deer. <laughs> I got him right before he got me. I think they're more interested in like electronics and money in the safe. That, that's the stuff that'll really scare. Them. <laughs> and that was a rare Siamese deer. That had two heads that came out at me. You see that? Uh, was the whole whoa, 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 whoa. Was it wearing that hat when it came at you, or did you put one afterwards? It was the late season. It was close to Christmas, and he came out wearing that. <laughs> and, and he, one of those is Santa's deer, and the other one isn't. Well, they shouldn't have been doing what they was doing in the what, woods. What, what, what <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know that's the best way to shoot him. They say you want to hunt a buck in ruts because he's got his mind on other things, and that's how you get them. You get them when you wait till they get way up there. Point, point, point. Is that gun unloaded, please? Which one? You got, you got the barrel pointing up and your head a foot away from it. Yeah, it's not very nice to the rest of us to be pointing your muzzle around. How do you tell? <laughs> oh. Public service announcement, dear gentle listeners, I can assure you that gun is likely unloaded. Likely. (laughs) He's shaking bullets out of it now. Why did three bullets come out? (laughs) Have you ever used that thing before? If you just take the the butt, the the thick end, and just mash it on the ground real hard, all the bullets will come out. It's, that's a hunting rifle. It's not an AK. That doesn't work that way. Y'all make fun, but I just saw Tiger King not too long ago. That happens. <laughs> I I still haven't watched that. I will not do it. I won't do it. Oh god. I hate saying it, but it's worth it, John. It's worth it. Everybody says that. I can't do it. I just I can't do it. Well, you can't do it because you're gonna, you're gonna see too much. It's funny, funny as hell, man. It's it's hilarious. I just got guys. Just so you know, in all seriousness, hunting safety is no joke. Okay, bam. Uh, always know, always know which where you're. Always keep your finger off the trigger unless you're intending to shoot something. And until you're ready to shoot, don't point the gun at anything unless you intend to shoot it. And I recently got shot. 
That's not a lie. I recently did get shot. Can y'all see that on my finger right there? <laughs> that looks like a, that looks like a little well staple. Is that the nail gun? It, yeah, what kind of? I've been in. I've got a new hobby. I've been making wood. That's why I haven't been on the show lately. I've been into this uh, woodworking yeah. hobby, and that's no joke. I've been making uh, furniture out of pallets. You know, I've, I've, seen, this pic- I've seen the pictures. I've They're amazing. The things yeah. you made. They're not bad. I'm serious. So I'm not joking about that. I've been I've been making these uh, makeup desk and kids desk and all kinds of stuff out of pallets. I've been working really hard on it, and I found out that you can buy this thing called an air gun. And if you take the air gun, you have to push it against something to make it to make the trigger be able to release it to make a, a bullet come out or the nail come out. Well, I mean, you can. But I learned that if you put it on the edge of something and push it and pull the trigger, that damn nail will come out and get you right there if you ain't careful. <laughs> so, so, so I have been shot. I can tell people now. Yeah, yeah. Back in the riots in 2020, I, I, I took one. <laughs> I got shot it right there. Uh, y'all just wait until he starts trying to turn wood in his table saw. Oh, Lord. That's, a true, that's also a true story. I did just get shot by an air gun. By air hammer gun or whatever. And admittedly, it was a one-person shooting because there's only one person involved. I just want to point that out. I disagree, Tony. The manufacturer of that air gun is is equally at fault and involved, and we need to talk later. Right. <laughs> also, the store that sold it to you? Definitely their fault. Yeah, they didn't check your ID and stuff. I'm, I'm sure there's there's a lot of procedural violations on the way. You don't have to... Should I not put that... Should I not put that dentine or whatever on there? Should I let it get infected so it looks better to the jury? Yeah. Dentine. You want to come by uh, tomorrow? Headed for a neck brace. I've got a couple in the trunk. You mean you mean like the chewing gum or the like the dental adherent? Because either one, uh, this ought to be good. <laughs> What's that, what that stuff you put on it? The, the is there Sensodyne or something? There's something you put on it. Dentine. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I suddenly have a bunch of small wood shop tools for sale. I am I am no longer going to be engaging in any of this. Um, I, I'm I'm done. <laughs> well, so so far during the riots of twenty or the protest of twenty twenty, I've received a bullet wound. And I, and earlier I got a knife cut, so I have been stabbed and shot. <laughs> and there's those uh, propane tanks. There'll be an explosion any any day now. So don't don't joke about propane. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, no laughing matter, Harlan. Uh, uh, Let's be serious now. I gotta go pee. Y'all talk among yourselves. <laughs> yeah, we will. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so, John, oh, God, this, he killed me. this is what you miss out on every other Saturday uh, uh, after our lodge meetings. Good this lord, is, this is what we deal with. This is why I, I am now very sorry. I live in the state that I live in, and not yours. I'm, I'm just like woefully missing out on some 
Absolute hilarity. Yeah. Oh God. Wait, wait for him to get back. I want to see. Uh, I want to see whatever wish.com halls he's made and. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he's he's obviously accident prone. He's going to come back hobbling because he managed to cause a little bit on his own manhood. I mean, that's just going to be it. I'm just glad that we're on the laptop today and not his cell phone, or he would have taken us with him. <laughs> I don't know if you were on the show yet when we first switched to the virtual platform uh, way back at like 1.39 or so, and then Tony connected, and he was out on oh, some no. sales trip, and he, yeah, he just pretty took sure us to the was bathroom there. with him. Yeah, pretty sure <laughs> I was over there for that one. We're recording, broadcasting live, and he's sitting the phone on top of the urinal. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think I, uh, that I might. That was either right before or right after I just got on the shows and was like my first exposure to him. And this is this is the guy. <coughs> this is the guy that officiated my wedding. So if you're wondering why my marriage is in the shape that it's in. <laughs> Rule of thumb, speaking as a seminarian, never blame the officiant. Suck it. <laughs> that's no, I, that's, I that's an awesome responsibility I know I'm not willing to take on. I get to blame him. He made us like come to all his counseling classes over at the lodge, and we had to do this whole thing. It's... Wow, all proper and whatnot. I'm impressed. Yeah, I don't know that it was proper. <laughs> Mostly him making passes at my fiance. Well, I mean, to be fair, I would probably take passes at her too. (laughs) (laughs) But in my defense, I never have. So there you go. No, that's all Bruce. What? No, wait, that's Tony's wife. I get everybody's like wife swapping all confused around here. Well, mistake I made one time, and after he smashed that ashtray over my head, I'm I'm not going to do it again. So the it's mistake is, uh, is I, I retract my fact. previous statement about moving to your state. <laughs> <laughs> do you though? Mistake? No, not at all. <laughs> not the word I would use, Bruce. Uh, You've nope, been married to that since before you were born. God, that's almost true. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Christ. So what's been going on Masonically in your guys' neck of the weeds? Well. Nothing? nothing. (laughs) We're on on quarantine, man. We've been, we just had a big meeting last night that I I can't recount here to the audience because I don't know how to do that without upsetting the powers that be. So, uh, We'll just leave it at, we had a, a big Grand Lodge meeting about reopening procedures, and that's supposed to start on the 29th, but our lodge won't meet again until mid-July, because our next scheduled meeting is on Independence Day, so it would be dark anyway. Um, so yeah, nothing. mostly watching Tony's uh, Sunday morning public broadcast television sermons and doing this podcast. Have you all heard? Heard what? They can't fire me anymore. <laughs> oh, God. I decided to come oh, in God. here. While my, while Tony was in the bathroom, I thought I'd come in here. 
Hold on, Doug. Hold on. I'm Doug. The employer relations investigator is going to step out for a second out of this conversation. Where do you even get a hat that good? That is a smashing uh, chapeau, my boy. You have to shop and shop and stop to find them. But there's this beautiful place down in Miami. And they've got the cutest little Cuban boys down there. (laughs) And he was wearing the hat. And so we traded him. I traded him. Like you traded for him? Currency. He traded currency. I for traded the for the hat. Okay, sorry, I, I misunderstood. But I was th- I was so thrilled when I found out that they couldn't fire me, and I'm free to do whatever I want. <laughs> oh God! No, I, nope. Wait. So I never I never remember. So this is Doug. I was this is brother Doug. Yeah, yeah. Bro- oh Truman. It depends on what part of the country I'm in. There's some places in Texas I can't be Truman. <laughs> this is the first time on the podcast I've wanted to use like a bad backlight and like a voice changer. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But was was that not a was that not a wonderful, wonderful ruling by the Supreme Court that says that they can't discriminate against people? That may not have the ha, that may have more than one sexes. If I could go on a rant without giving up what I do for a living and for whom I would chew your butt right now, it wasn't John. We, we damn it, know, man. We all know that you work for the Bilderbergs, and it's it's fine. Oh, I'm a civil civil rights investigator that's now worked private side. Who approves of the decision of the Supreme Court? Yeah. Oh, oh Tony's coming back. I got. To, I got to run. <laughs> it was an admirable decision, Doug. Congratulations on your newfound civil rights. <laughs> You're like almost human now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but oh. as we as we're not assembled lodge, we can kind of talk it. I I uh, that decision has come through, and I uh, I applaud it because it's been a long time coming. It, I mean, um, you can applaud the decision, but I can't applaud the fact that there needed to be that decision. Like, it, it sucks that that actually had to be like properly, not properly. Like next, we're going to get a Supreme Court ruling that we're entitled to breathe air free of charge. That was exactly it's, what I was going to say. It was. It's, <laughs> it should be irrelevant, and it should be just listen. To the, to the people here that hire and, and manage people as a guy who is a now an internal employment affairs count, uh, uh, investigator, it, you can fire somebody for being a shithead. That's not illegal. But you need to point out the fact of why they're a shithead without pointing out certain traits. A bad employee is a bad employee, but if you want to fire him just because of you don't like what they do off the clock, you're kind of pissing in the wind. What about like this is what they do off the clock? What about good employees that try to leave? Like where do you draw the line to being off the clock? Like if they're a serial serial if they kill a lot of people uh, serial a serial killer. Is he going through all his characters tonight? I gotta ask. (laughs) I mean he hasn't been on in like six months. He's gotta get them all out. 
Oh, God. It's a compulsion. Speaking from a purely <laughs> elemental tone. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. I got another question for you. Elemental? <laughs> exactly. Where do you draw the line? Okay, you can be gay, but, but you can't kill people. So there's a place in between those two actions off the clock. Where would that line be? If you... If you're hurting somebody consensually, such as in anal penetration, um, that's okay. When it's not consensual, it's not okay. Why is this a complex line to draw? Huh. That's uh, yeah, no, Harlem, take that ball more than I'm not touching it. Go ahead. Can I do meth off the clock? You're good. But what, can I go shoot up heroin off the clock and then come in the next day and they can't mess with me? Well, I mean, if you were no Tony, meth you do on the clock because it makes you more productive. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Why would you do meth off the clock? when you do off the clock because that's your free time. I, okay. I do cocaine hey, so I can do more work, like so I can make cocaine. more money, so I can do more cocaine, and I can do more work and make more money, so I can do more cocaine, do yeah, more work. I was going to say you can't. I can't expense my cocaine unless I'm snorting it at work. Like that's <laughs> okay. Uh, a, a quick uh, trivia note from Know It All, uh, Ted. Um, you know that we actually gave methamphetamines to our soldiers in World War II to pump them up and uh, to make them better fighters. Yes. We did. So, did. so did the Germans. Yeah, we also so, put stuff in our field rations to make people not poop. So, so that also leads to the question that we gave LSD to our Vietnam soldiers: which was the better war to be in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you now you piqued my interest. World War Two or are we comparing World War Two versus Vietnam? Would you I rather have the LSD and acid, or would you rather have the methamphetamines? Oh, so we're we're breaking it down to a what what drug was given. What what was your what, what is your war preference based upon the drug that was given you? <laughs> I was thinking about I guess it's a matter of like your corporate company preference. The Civil War is out. Okay, so, well no, Civil War had poppy, they had opium. So Oh yeah. Mm. I, 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 meth versus LSD. I'm gonna have to go with the LSD because I like my dental work. Um. Okay, y'all just froze that. Did, did you all choose op uh, opium, heroin? I mean, methamphetamines or acid? Yes. I'm, I'm really torn by having to make a choice. Yeah, John, John's more of an ayahuasca guy. He, he lives up with the natives. That's true. I mean, peyote is a thing up here. Okay, okay, Mr. Attorney. Theoretically, can you do drugs if you say you're doing it for religious purposes? Yes. Uh, so if you are part of a certain recognized branch of Native American church, yes, actually, that's a real thing. That is um, a enormously real thing, yes. So there was the, the standard of review is it has to be a sincerely held... Religious belief. belief, not just like, oh, I'm Rastafarian, yeah, so yeah. I can. He's the, attorney. he's the attorney. He's the attorney, but I'm the civil rights expert in the conversation. Yeah. John probably knows a lot so, more about this. Than oh, yeah. If I if I join that religion, okay, and you know, and all that, and I smoked on Saturday, and they drug test me on Monday. Can they fire me? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that depends on who you work for and, and like why they're firing you. So if you're a truck driver, for instance, which not saying you are, but if you were driving commercial vehicles, then yes, they could fire you and that would still pass muster. 
Because that's a safety <laughs> issue. Yeah. But but it'd be again, it's it's my religion, man. Don't I have a freedom of religion? You do. You do, but you don't have freedom of employment. Yeah, but I mean that's the same thing. You can't be like driving a big propane <sighs> truck and then meditating on the road because that's a deep part of your faith. Like that that I thought earlier. Time out. I, I don't drive propane. I wouldn't drive a propane truck. I may drive it. Time out. Earlier on, we agreed to leave propane out of the conversation. <laughs> that, that's where we draw the line. Sorry, natural okay. gas. Bruce, so you're, you're driving a truck full of nuclear to... fuel rods. Okay, yeah, that... now we're talking. That's pretty close. That's pretty close. However, Robert, I made. However, if if said practitioner of said religion were to get a medical note saying that he has really bad glaucoma and has to smoke it for a medical reason, you might be okay. You won't and pass the, come back the DOT physical if you have really bad glaucoma, so you couldn't have the CDL. Yeah. Well, we'll see. It depends. Like you know, because you only take your physical every two years. That's true. So if it's in between those two years. And yeah, I know a couple of guys that. with CDLs who I don't trust to pull their car in the lodge parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Is random drug testing legal? Uh, depending on the job, yes. So you can consent to random drug testing by contract, which is how that yes. works with most employers. You sign oh, Yeah, it's, it's all the paperwork you sign when you start. Harlan. Why don't you tell us all about agency law? Yes. It's <laughs> fascinated me for years. Yes. So um, I hate, I hate in, you all. In the Western <laughs> legal system, you can be held responsible for the actions of your employees. That, that, that was boring as shit. <laughs> And that's and that's why I hate you all for mentioning it. So it gets real exciting because if we're hanging out after lodge and we all send Tony to the store to pick up smokes and whatever, and we each give him a couple bucks to pick up something, and then on his way to the store, he sexually harasses somebody walking down the side of the road, and then they decide to sue us all because he was acting as our agent. See, then it gets exciting. Like, are you really responsible for Tony because you gave him a couple bucks to no. pick you up a Red Bull? What? I don't know. He's not acting as my agent in that regard. Oh, but, a, he if, but he no, absolutely okay. not because he would immediately. I would immediately no. say Tony owed me two bucks for that thing that for that bet on that thing like three months ago, and he was covering my payment, so he was acting under his own free will and accord. And you were acting by entrusting Tony with American currency and sending him to do any errand. See, (laughs) agency law is a vast, complex, and fascinating field. (laughs) If the master of your lodge orders Bruce to cook the dinner... Mm -hmm. And everyone gets salmonella. Is it the master's fault? What's that say? You all know. Did you all know that if you if you eat enough popsicles, 
you will fart and you'll and you can smell like the flavor of the popsicle. If you eat enough grape popsicles, you'll actually smell like when you fart, you'll it'll smell like grapes. I'm surprised. Oh, that, well, that explains why when I cut ass at two o'clock in the morning, it smells like a distillery. <laughs> I'm surprised Tony can smell anything over the smell of Col Colgate. <laughs> Over who? Speaking of which, Tony, how is your bunghole? <laughs> Said who? Oh, God. Here we go with the toothbrush. No, 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 no. Stop. I remember this story from two a couple of recordings ago. <laughs> I might be hammered. No. No. <laughs> You're not really clean until. Yeah. And Bruce? Hmm? Number number two. This I want to point that out. Lodge podcast is brought to you by Colgate Whitening. <laughs> Whiten more than just your teeth. <laughs> someday, since I'm older than you guys, someday I'm going to die. And you are going to all outlive me. And this is, I'm serious. I don't this know why I've met me. <laughs> this is what I'm asking each of you to do at my funeral. I went at, at my Masonic funeral, and I am publicly asking for a Masonic funeral. But I want each of you to get up and tell a separate story that has truly happened to me over the years. That's awesome. I have a, yeah. have a good one about uh, that time at Burger King. Yeah. Yeah. The Burger oh, King I've heard story. That story. <laughs> yeah. That's totally the one I'm telling. Yeah. But, but I'm trying to get I have lived a full life. I have been shot. I have been stabbed. I have been. By yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Introverts can have lives too, John. Yeah. That's like saying somebody else got me drunk. No. <laughs> I mean, I, I support you, Tony. I totally do. However, I understand. That's like you said you lost. Your, that's like you saying you lost your virginity to the love of your life. Oh yeah, no, multiple times. I should file suit. I've been abused more than I should be. Yeah, I mean, nobody has as many euphemisms for self-congratulation as, as John, so. Box the clown, shake hands on the unemployed, rough up the suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I really yeah. want to have a chapter in, like, if there's ever an After Lodge book, there will be a special appendix of just 20 pages of of John's masturbatory euphemisms. We'll start your own lawnmower. I mean, yeah, yeah. Suck start the snowblower, whatever you want. We run long enough, it might be a book by itself. Could be. Yeah, we could make it one of those little pamphlets like the, the George Washington's Rules of Civility. We just pass it out at Grand Launch. Yeah. Well, like like I would point out to our listeners is a lot of Tony stuff is an act and it's hilarious. This, this, this for me, unfortunately, that's not an act. This is just I'm this that is stuck. Real John. Yeah, that's I mean yeah. my wife has put up with me for eleven years uh officially as of Saturday. So I mean oh, well, she congratulations. Came to test. Congratulations. Great pleasure. Great pleasure. Great to her. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, apparently I have to buy her a gift for you know eleven years of her travel towards sainthood, but you know, I'll figure that out. Yeah. So, Marshall, what have you been up to? I have nothing. Just working, man. That's about it. Seriously? Seriously. Oh, you're one of them. Um, you're one of them. They're essential employees, aren't you? Right. Yeah. Apparently, apparently, everybody likes to drink water and 
shit in the toilet, man. He's not a sales guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a sales guy. Everybody is essential except the sales guys. <laughs> though, though, to be um, fair, whatever Marshall would be selling, I'd be buying because, you know. Well, that's, no. a, we that's have his other guys. career. Hey, I went to work every day. I was listed as essential. I had a little thing. I had a little card and everything I had to carry around with me. Oh, good Lord. Hey, should we... Masonically, should we require wearing masks once we reopen? So, believe it or not, that was a hotly debated subject last night. Um, the Grand Master's opinion here is no, unless you are over 65, and then it's mandatory, but it's encouraged for everybody. Meanwhile, there's two different MDs in the meeting who are literally screaming on the sidelines, but we're all muted. Like, that's... No, no. Everybody but, needs to wear a mask. But isn't the purpose of wearing a mask to protect others? Correct. Yes. This is why everybody... So, theoretically, the 65-year-olds aren't the ones that have to be wearing the mask. Yes, it should be everybody correct. else. That's what the doctors were screaming about and just getting glossed over by the purple people eaters. Yeah. So if it, it wasn't sad, it would have been hilarious. Here, I mean, here's a great way to paint that picture so you kind of grasp it from a outside perspective is I've gone into surgery before twice. Um, I wasn't wearing a mask, but you know who was? The surgeons. Why? Because they were trying not to infect me. It's the same principle. You wear the mask to protect other people. It may, it might help you, but it's for everybody else. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Well, there goes a, but that kind of goes against everything I believe in. You're, you're telling me I have to worry about other people. Well, <laughs> no, Tony, we're we're not. Oh my God. Tony just made a big libertarian knot in my head. I gotta go get another drink. Tony, we're not telling you that. The the master of your lodge God, you is telling you bastard. That. Our worshipful master said you need to wear a mask, and that should be enough. So I think it should be left up to the master of each individual lodge. That's that what each, I just said. Lodge. Oh, okay. That's literally what I just said. <laughs> hey, did you get here? The Grandmaster said, you don't have to. Your master you say, said, put on a mask. Okay, you say it in lawyer terms, though. I say it how people can understand it. Also true. <laughs> yeah. It makes lawyer ease, huh? Yeah. So, <laughs> what if you have visitors that come to your lodge that didn't bring a mask? I think that our lodge should spring, or I can bring some extra. I think that we should have lodge, we should have mask on hands to give out to visitors. Just wear so the apron turn... tie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea at all. I, I, I mean, you know, uh, just uh, you know, make do, I mean, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Chat. You came to our lodge. <laughs> I, I don't. I, have, I don't put. Those I have. Aprons, I don't put those have aprons seen... on my like lower area. I wouldn't. Have put you seen this the face? I feel have bad for the visitor that comes in and bar. I, I, there's gonna be a visitor that comes in, borrows an apron, and goes, "Oh my god, what smells like sack in here?" It's that thing on your face. <laughs> this apron smells like toothpaste. 
<laughs> Ooh, I, got the lucky fresh. One. I got the lucky one. <laughs> God, whoever wore this apron last really took care of his O ring. It really smells minty fresh on this thing. Some of our aprons are blue, so if there's a stain on the blue apron, kind of like the blue dress, <laughs> that'd be. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, the other thing is is there's no degree new plan new plan <laughs> when we reopen we can't do any kind of degree work which kind of makes me question the so what what are we what are we opening for right yeah <laughs> we've got we we've got the same thing going pay the bills our, yeah our our uh, jurisdiction is the same thing we we're allowed to have lodge right now but if i remember right it's capped at 10 people in the lodge room which is fine, but our lodge rooms go from very, very small country lodges to very expansive city lodges in which we can fill 80 people in the lodge on any given day. So it, it, there's a little play in there. And I got a room. I have to look to see if masks are required with us. And I want to say that they are. Um, so we're allowed to assemble in groups of 10 in masks, I think. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird. What if, what if you visit across state lines, which happens a lot of times with border lodges, and one state is in phase two, and the other state's in phase three, and will that become bragging rights? Oh, you guys are just in phase two. We're in phase three. I don't have to wear a mask. I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm from a different jurisdiction. <laughs> I wouldn't know because although we live in a border town, the lodges on the other side of our border are clandestine, so I would not be visiting them. No, I, I've been to your town. I wouldn't communicate to those guys on the other side of the river either. Um, yeah. Of course, I feel that same way about Wisconsin. <laughs> or Minneapolis, I'm apparently. I'm, I'm kidding. No, I, I grew up in – I'm born and raised St. Paul. I grew up raised in Hell on the East Side. I grew up on the Capitol Steps. I have always, before I was even a Mason, had a very much a large dislike for Minneapolis just because it wasn't St. Paul. So they can do what they want to do. Uh, that's fine. Hey, whatever, they're, uh, whatever they're doing, fine. Whatever. I don't care. Did, Keep it did, over there. Did you hey, protest when they were rebuilding the bridge? Did you, What's did that? you out there? Did you protest when they rebuilt the bridge? Like, no, don't do this. Yeah, no, I... No, because you know the you and that. I swear to God, you and that <laughs> effing bridge, Harlan, Bruce, Bruce, sir. It's the only historical event of note that's come out of the area. What else am I supposed to latch on to? What are you talking about? Like two weeks ago, we burnt the city down. What? Well, yeah, what before uh, now. Well, see. Hey, Bruce. Bruce, when, next time I travel down there. Remind me to show uh, Harlan what an Alabama crab dangle is. Crab dangle. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like a bohemian gas mask. Dangle. Union gas mask. Okay. Okay, okay good. Sounds... Show notes. Why <laughs> is that turning me on? All right. When are you no, coming back? Nope. To self. Google. Well like, well, like the Twin Cities up here, St. Paul is very St. Paul. Minneapolis is very Minneapolis. There is a definite difference between the two. Um, like we pointed out on a lot of maps, it's like Minneapolis slash St. Paul. No, 
I, I understand the proximity together. That's like saying Dublin slash London. Let's see how well that goes. I mean, but because it, it's that big of a difference. Well, I just think of the United Kingdom as one big homogenous mass anyway. Because that's what the Dublin, you son of a I know you're with me, but Dublin is not in the United Kingdom. Eat my shorts. I don't know. That's not what the Queen said. But they not little men or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Speaking about your city. God, I love you, Tony. I shared a thing on our Slack channel about the uh, the police in Harlem rolling around with their sirens on and the fire. Oh my God, I saw that. Which I thought was like this clickbait or some kind of nonsense. Like my immediate reaction was like, "Okay, what kind of bubkiss is this?" Then I saw the videos. It's verified, isn't it? And then I'm like, "Why would you? What?" Okay. Anyway, my favorite part was comments because that's why you go on Reddit is for the comments. So apparently, there are are French citizens who are chiming in on Reddit about. Like, you guys in the U.S. have a whole lot of restraint with your protesting. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Because, like, the French, if anybody knows how to set stuff on fire and flip the finger to the government, it's the French. Yes. (laughs) And then uh, they were sharing videos. I don't know what happened, but apparently there was some incident in France where the firefighters were protesting. And then the police were trying to disperse the crowd. And there's these videos of these firefighters beating the out of the police. Listen, <laughs> as like this is how you protest. Listen, then, as a recovering cop and, and looking at that, admittedly, I talk shit about firefighters all the time, but a lot of my friends are. Um, guys that climb ladders and hump hoses and do shit like that. They're not exactly soft. Yeah. I got a I got I got a firefighter buddy who's like sixty five and retired. I wouldn't screw with him on a bat. You gotta kind of wonder about the cops. Like they they have to know. Like, do we really want to go break up this crowd of people who run into burning buildings for fun? Like that's right. Is that a good idea? <laughs> what are we gonna do? We're gonna gas them because I don't think they care. <laughs> I was gasping. I mean that that's their that's how they party. I mean. Uh, I I love giving shit to firefighters. It was just one of those very few occasions where French people get to talk shit about Americans and it actually be legitimate. Like, they're they're calling out our protests because they're like, you guys don't know how to do this. I I applaud them for embracing it because usually they embrace the white flag. Um, Against other countries. We're talking about their own government. That's true. I mean, nobody, admittedly, nobody should screw with the French Foreign Legion. Yeah, they've got that whole yellow vest thing going on that gets kind of crazy. Like, like the, the world media has been going on about the U.S. and these protests and riots and us being on fire. And then I, I was thinking, like, well, in France, they just call that Tuesday. So Right. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, this is, this is old hat. Don't they cut off the... Don't they cut the heads of their leaders off, like, when they topple their government well, and stuff? They don't they... Somewhat recently on the history. Oh, that was just Louis. But I was just surprised that 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 
the Reddit discussion of the Harlem, the police in Harlem was just full of all these French guys talking smack about like, you guys going to stand for this? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was amazing. I couldn't, I can't believe I, I, I hopped on the Reddit feed, which God save me. I don't do Reddit. Um, Cause I don't want to go down that black hole. Although I'm on Facebook. You did. So, I mean, no, it's, I, I can't, as a as a as a former cop, I can't fathom the idea of rattling up your population that you are there to serve by f-ing with them at o two hundred hours at night. I just it, it it utterly baffles me. Yeah, that's the. Um, I just I still don't know what to make of that. Um, and the only official response from NYPD is, "You need to respect us." <laughs> yeah, as as, a, as an ex cop, no, you, you don't. But, but... Oh, 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 now wait a minute. Yeah. I, I respect the police. I mean, what, shouldn't we respect the police as a as a not, whole? Not when they are waging to an extent, literal... but when they're start, when they're starting to do shit like that, yes. when they're yes. when they're when they're pushing constitutional violations. Again, I full disclosure, I'm an ex-cop. I work city, I work county, I work federal law enforcement. That uh, the protect and serve is not with your people. It's not. It absolutely is not. Yeah. You you protect, you serve them. Again, I also recognize there's a difference between protesters and rioters. There's a huge difference. I've been through two riots in my time. There's a night and day difference. But you keep in mind the oath of office and what you took. You keep in mind the constitutional values that are instilled in your your position and what you were educated in. And you don't blindly follow the orders that may violate those. And you definitely don't go driving around the town with the sirens and horns and, and setting off fireworks to keep people from sleeping just so you can say, who are you going to call about your noise complaint now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like what? what? what yeah, was that was... Why are they... See, I haven't heard about this. Why would they do that? I, I don't know. Nobody knows. The world doesn't know, and there's no official response from NYPD other than, you need to learn to respect us. Like, because that's going to help? Like, what? I mean, what else are they going to say? And nobody was carrying it. Like I, until I watched the video, I was convinced this was some like spun up or or doctored or otherwise like made up thing. And you're like, no, that's that's exactly what it looks like. They yeah, are. It's it's. They are just keeping people awake. Because my oh, that was my first thought was it's New York. Like of course there's police sirens at night. But then the videos, they're just driving around the block and then doing this other one. And then there's other ones. And then there's fireworks going off that are also highly illegal in New York. But I guess not when the government's doing it. And it's just to make as much noise as possible to keep people from sleeping. I guess so they're too tired to riot. I I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of. I would think that they would just make them sleep later 
in the day and they'd be fresh as a daisy come about six or seven o'clock the next I mean, afternoon. Clearly, this isn't something that's been thought out. <laughs> Damn it, Tony. But yes, uh, it's just going to encourage people to sleep during the day and then riot more at night. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's. Oh. So Mike, we've been. And, I, I have I have a whole huge I have cognitive dissonance with the whole movement for defunding law enforcement. I understand the reason why you'd want to make that knee-jerk reaction. Well, however, pulling the rug out from underneath dirt, dirt it still lands in the same place it was in when you pulled the rug. Yeah. That's just that that's exactly it. You're 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 pulling the groundwork out from underneath a structure, but the dirt still lands where it was in the first place, in the same pile, in the same stinky corner. Which I'm I'm wholly in support of, but I know what where I'm coming from with that, and this isn't like a knee jerk new thing. This just comes with being the wacky libertarian. But I do find it ironic that the most of the people you see calling with the hashtag defund the police are the same people who are screaming about, we need more government, this and more government, that and a program for this and more laws for that. And it's like, you, this is what that looks like. Like you, you're literally wanting more policing. Yeah. Like all these big government things you want come with the guys with the boots and guns who make people that don't want to do what you want them to do, do it. Like that's, you can't have your big state without the big arm to enforce the state. Like you, you, I don't, I don't know what people are dreaming. Like we're going to have a socialist utopia with no police. I I really don't think. How's that going to work? I don't think they even have a clue what they're talking about. I don't know. Well, I agree. We're talking about people on the internet. Of course they don't. Well, I'm, I'm just talking about uh, people in general. Most people that want to sit there around their mouth, I don't believe that they truly know what they want or what they're even discussing. It's no, really popular. They, they just want, they, they don't want the police telling them what to do, but they want the government somehow to make everyone else do what they want them to do. Right. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, you know, if there's, if there's less police, that means there's less state just by its nature. Like the state can't enforce its unjust laws without the force of arms. So I'm, I'm, right. I was hashtag defund the police like 20 years ago. Yeah. But, but same thing. At the same time, I mean, it's you know, the police are there to keep other people from screwing with me, and vice versa. True, and also to enforce the government's illegitimate mandates on my person and property. So, well, I'm, I'm more worried about you screwing with my shit. Well, but you have enough guns that you shouldn't be worried about that. <laughs> or if you're a libertarian, you should believe in that. Well, no, I, I, I do. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that this wing of like this left wing activist, like we need to abolish the police. That doesn't jive with the other side of their narrative of we need to forcefully take everyone's shit and give it to me. 
what who's gonna do that forceful taking of my stuff to give to you if not the police right like, how do you have it both ways okay earlier we talked about drawing the line like you know in a joking way where do you draw the line some people are saying defund the police and from what i've read and i'm not as well versed on this as you guys but but from what I've read, it's not necessarily doing away with the police. It's taking some of their funding and putting it into other programs. So they're not talking about saving money. They're just talking about moving it from one one police department over to some other department that they just won't call the police department. They'll call it social services. They'll call it something else. So where do you draw the line? They're right now, moving that money to the functions that police do currently that police do not need to be doing. They don't need to be showing up and getting cats out of trees. They don't need to be taking whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's the fire department. The fender bender on the side of the road. Nobody with a gun needs to be showing up to take a fender bender report. That's, I mean, that's true. Part of the, I also part of the defund the police movement that from what I've gleaned is the uh, police no longer get the, uh, the runoff or the the surplus sales from the Department of Defense. So you don't have Joe Schmo who's got a small department. And admittedly, there's a department in my state, Minnesota, that this applies to. Um, so you don't have like a very rural department in northern Minnesota, which is the Iron Range, which is let me put context to it for those that are in the area. Frontier Kentucky or Frontier Tennessee or Frontier West Virginia. Northern Minnesota is that. I mean, we're it's iron country. We call them the Rangers. They're a different breed. I love them, but they're they're not us down here in the Twin Cities. There's a department up there that managed to acquire, this is probably eight, nine years ago, give or take. Um, it was a small department that managed to acquire a MRAP, a uh, uh, mobile, I'm half hammered, so I'm trying to remember MRAP, but it was a mobile armored vehicle, similar to uh, Badger is what they're kind of called on the civilian side or, you know, APCs uh, and DOD side. So they got this big armored vehicle. They have flashbangs. They have all these things. It's a city, and I use the term city loosely, of about 25, 2,800 people. But because of funding through the federal government, through these refunneling of used DOD assets to civilian uh, law enforcement agencies, they got these things. Part of the defund the police movement and, and the proper functional part of it is to remove those things. Because yeah. as a guy who's patrolled a small division before I went, move my way up the chain, quote unquote. Um, you know, my first jurisdiction was 400 people. My second jurisdiction was 800 people. My next, that way up. I didn't, I, I didn't need a, I didn't need a armored response vehicle. And if what you need I needed was to be able to go up and say, Hey, Bob, we've talked on several occasions. I see you have 50 different kinds of, ammunition and weapons um one please don't point them at me i'd appreciate that because that makes the day go bad for both of us um but two let's have a conversation not i don't want the county 
sort team showing up in this MRAP right. that I that the DOD gave me because they need to offload assets and causing a giant problem. That that's a really boiled down version of it. Now you put it into a large city like Minneapolis, and the other. The other tangent I'll quick go off on, and it was pointed out to me by a, a, a good friend who's not a Mason, who probably should be, but he <laughs> he's kind of a not a joiner. Um, since 2001, law enforcement in this county, or in the country, sorry, I'm three drinks in. Um, we, and I can speak to this, we've all been trained to be anti-terrorism uh, response officers, bar none. Absolutely, the the application of the NIMS process and and FEMA and emergency response processes and Homeland Security, we were all trained in one way or another to be anti-terrorism officers, to be rapid response officers, whether or not it worked or not, per se in school shootings, different story, but. It, it, it was the the amping up of, okay, we need to deal with terrorism. We need to deal with terrorism. We need to deal with terrorism. Same thing as in the 80s and the 90s. We need to deal with drugs. We need to deal with drugs. A war on anything that is not a tangible enemy loses, period. That's what the last 20 years in the country has been. It's been a war on terrorism that has occurred from a arguably single occurrence, but has echoed continuously throughout the years. And we have hard driven to that and buckled that onto the back of the war on the quote unquote war on drugs in which departments were trying to seize assets. And this, the assets they seize, they could either turn on to use or use to liquidate and add to the departmental funds which caused a circular problem of you're not necessarily enforcing the law or, or more appropriately conflict of interest. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I'm not, I'm not upholding somebody's safety. I want to seize that vet so I can use it to do drug deals to catch these other drug dealers who are hooked to these terrorists who I can then use. And, and it's a daisy chain. So there's this build on of the war on drugs onto the build on of the war of, on terror that has caused a militancy in law enforcement um, to act as anti-terrorist officers and act in a very marginally aggressive uh, behavior or, or, or at least presentation. Um, and again, I say this not to besmirch law enforcement former law enforcement, you know, I'm former, I'm former SWAT certified. I'm former USDOD red team. Um, so, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, you, you tie that into, you have guys coming back from the Gulf. You have guys coming back from Afghanistan that are used to the ROE of engagement to threats from a, uh, op four that are not, constitutionally protected citizens of the United States. And these these giant smudgings of these boundaries have eventually led to what we are at now. 
and then you add in the undercurrent of uh, lack of equality in the United States. I mean, sorry, anytime... I'll get off. I'll get off my my podium and start drinking again. I mean, anytime you're you're training people and equipping them to fight a war, they're gonna treat the people they're dealing with like enemy combatants, which is True. not something that policing needs to be. If the police are in a situation where they need those kind of things, that's when it's time to get on the phone with the governor and bring in the guard. That's what they're for. Yes. You, you don't have the National Guard exactly. patrolling city streets for a reason. Like, those are two completely different functions, and we've kind of mashed them together. Okay, I'm I'm kind of confused, though. Everything that you just brought up, uh, John, is it? Um Everything that you're such a <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I have seen you get ejected from a lodge as part of a ritual, but I've seen you get ejected from a lodge. That's true. He did witness that. I was the one. I did. I did. I did. Go ahead, yeah. Tony. Hey, that's a cool. That's a cool part, though. It did. We mean, don't have that. Cool we don't have that trip. part, and that was awesome to see because I was yeah. confused as hell when I walked in. I'm like. Where's he going? Harlan just threw Tony out the lodge. Like John just shows up and he's witnessing. I just show up and Tony's getting booted out of the lodge. I mean, I'm like, I don't blame you, but I mean, seriously, what happened? (laughs) Well, what I don't understand though is every interaction I've ever had with the police. I've been pulled over for speeding. I've been I've I've been parked where I probably shouldn't have been parked in a dark place before. I've never had a bad interaction with the police. They never came up in their Humvee. They never came. They've always treated me with a lot of respect. And and so I don't get it. I mean, I see all these police officers that are really good guys. I I do. I, I, and I understand that. And admittedly, so I know, I obviously from my, my past employment experience, I know tons of law enforcement guys. And I know I, I'm still friends with a few of them because some of them still like me. <laughs> but the the thing is, one, to put it out there, the worst thing, the, the one thing a good cop hates worse more than anything else in the world is a bad cop. But two, admittedly, and I, 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 I again, I don't want to besmirch my past employment or what I, you know, what I've done, but at the same time as, as, as a guy who's done civil rights investigation, you roll up on a Caucasian man in a vehicle sleeping, your perceptions are different than if you roll up on an individual of color who's sleeping. And I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't want to cast that dispersion on the individual officer who might be going to that location, but after a 20-year war on drugs, followed by a 20-year war on terror, you it, it gets ingrained into you whether by, on purpose or by, by accidental consequences of the fact that there's an individual of color in this vehicle who's sleeping in a weird spot there must be something going on. And again, it's a systemic issue. Um, and again, this is why I'm, I'm admittedly not very popular among cops, quite frankly. And I'll, I'll wave that banner till the day I die. 
or Masons for that matter. But well, <laughs> no, I mean, at least half the Masons like me because they're like winding me up and then throwing me into the fray and watch what happens because it's good entertainment. Um, speaking of which, our Grand Lodge session is coming up on Saturday. Well, let's see what happens, or our Grand Commandery session. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I, from from my acquaintances and friends of color that I've I've interacted with throughout the years, again, I mean, I, I, I grew up in a relatively diverse area to some extent, had a sheltered life, but I decided to break that shelter and deal with, you know, and, and go out. My interaction with law enforcement I've, I've never been arrested. Now, I will point this out. Now Wait, that I'm out of... Seriously? What? No, I've never been arrested. Hmm. Wow. I, Smarter than we thought. Yeah, well, you see? I, I, only that, played an idiot, I only played an idiot on TV, so... Is that, is that simply a result of never being caught? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I've been caught, um, but I, I, I've never been arrested, um, which, again, I'm, I'm also a big fan of any good crook, crook can make a really good cop if they have the right mentality, because I know what they're looking for. Um, again, I, my train of thoughts almost collided. Um, the, the exposure to law enforcement from individuals color versus individuals i don't want to say if not because i'm irish we're white we we're we have a color my color happens to be clear i understand this i'm okay with it however from a not eurocentric perspective we have been trained as law enforcement to look at individuals of color there's there's no two ways about it you have quote unquote Middle Eastern terrorists, quote unquote Mexican South American drug dealers, quote unquote black gang members. Okay. But like when I studied law enforcement, I focused on Aryan nation groups. I focused on radicalized uh, posse comitatus groups. I, I, I focused my studies on these, on these other groups that were being overlooked by law enforcement because it, it wasn't the fad. It wasn't what people were looking for because those were the threats. That's where the threats were potentially coming from, were from blind sides. But not everybody had the holistic look. And I, I'm not trying to hoot my own or to my own horn. God, I got to hoot your own. I'm almost, I'm almost done with a third. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has to be a encompassing, an entirely encompassing approach of protect your communities, know where your threats are, regardless of what cultural group or religious background or whatever, know their mentality, understand what their drives are, understand why they want to hurt you and why they want to hurt your community and circumvent that. But again, the war on drugs, war on terror, funnel that attention. Wow, that, you really got serious on us here. You, you're very reflective, self-reflective when you drink. Uh, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's, yeah, you should. You, the existential crises I have when I'm on whiskey, 
Holy shit. I mean, last time he was in town, he went to Bruce's house and we were trying to pack him inside because he's bawling about something or another. <laughs> so you're saying overall, though, that the re- my interactions with police being in a very favorable way may have something to do that I was seen as a non-threatening character when they pulled up that, on me. I don't know I mean, that that's it's inter- just that. I think it's the areas that you've had encounters with the police and circumstances. To quote Bill Maher, uh, who who said this on his show like forever ago when he was doing, he did a whole number about the militarization of local police. And he's like, you know, things have really gone off the rails when I'm scared of the cops and I'm white. Huh. And that's sort of the situation. Maybe it's an age thing. Yeah. yeah, maybe they look at you, Tony, and they're like, ah, he's he's fine. He's a friendly guy, and he's white, and he's not young. Um, yeah. I remember in the college years, like, I had a couple of run-ins with the cops completely under innocent circumstances, and it wasn't pleasant. And I can't imagine the experience you have when – when you have a physical appearance that also adds to that bias of, I just don't, I didn't appreciate I, being handled like, like I'm some kind of criminal in a completely so, benevolent situation. I, I, and, and yeah, building on, on Harlan's point, like, so if I put my, my, my rookie guy patrol hat on and admittedly my first department I worked on, I was tribal law enforcement. I worked on, I worked in Indian country. So admittedly, everybody I worked with was technically a minority, which is really funny because a quick story was I remember pulling a guy over and he said, oh, you're only pulling me over because I'm Indian. I lead in his car. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm the only white guy in 20 square miles. I'm pulling you. You're you're like everybody else. I'd pull you over if you were white because that would throw me off. You're an Indian guy in a reservation. But again, throwing say Indian, you mean Native American, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, and admittedly, Lower Sioux Tribal Police Department was my first police department. If there was an actual guy from India on the Native Reservation, John would have absolutely been pulling him over. I would have been really confused. Excuse me, sir. Why are you stopping him today? Um, because you overshot the casino by three blocks. I, I mean, I. But so as the rookie cop, if I pulled over, Tony, if I pulled you over, I would, I would, I I met you. You're genial. You're, you're, you're a happy go lucky guy. You're super, you know, good interface, all that stuff. I'd be like, Oh yeah, it's a guy. He was speeding on the way to the blackjack tables. What? I get it. Fine. But as a rookie cop, I pull over, like say my buddy, Pascal, who's a uh, black guy, trades guy, member of the craft, super great guy, mid-20s. But as a rookie cop from that, from I mean, I'm talking almost 20 years ago. I pull him over for driving weird on the reservation. First of all, I'm looking at a black guy in the Indian reservation, which raises a flag. I'm looking at a young 20-something-year-old on the Indian reservation who may be driving a okay to decent car, there's all these factors that come into play, and then I'm like, okay, dude, what are you doing? That's not right. 
I'll, I'll be the first person to point out that's not right. That was inculcated as part of my education. Of uh, I have a guy who doesn't match the description of the area with these other factors in play. Listen, the guy the guy might have been driving to the casino to stay overnight for a wedding and then bouncing back to where, wherever from whence he came. Meanwhile, I pulled him over because he blew a stop sign that he didn't know was there because nobody travels in the back roads of Indian country, et cetera, et cetera. But then I immediately, as part of my training and inculcation, start going, oh, what's going on here? I need to I need to figure out if he's running dope. I need to know if he's involved in the gang. All these crazy effing things. So you racial profiling based upon... The in, situation in that circumstance in that in, in that hypothetical thankfully and i will point this out i also double majored law enforcement and ethnic studies both in my graduate and undergraduate levels and i'm one of the only white guys in minnesota that at one point could speak fluent dakota so i, I would go hey you know um, uh, what's going on dude oh i'm looking for the casino well shit it's two blocks that way you want me to drive you there uh okay and i i say this because this literally happened i as a travel cop i literally pulled over an african-american person who was lost on the reservation and it was a very small reservation but he managed to overshoot the turn and i'm like and he was confused on why the admittedly i'm pretty sure he was confused on why i decided not to night strict nightstick the colored folk um and I was like, "Yeah, dude, let me get let me get you over there." And then I like, I'm like, I pulled him in there. I'm like, "Hey, you know what room you're in?" No. Well, let me. I'll I'll walk with you. We'll get you checked into the hotel because that's community policing. Those are the proactive efforts you take to bridge those gaps with individuals to say, "Hey, um, I checked you out because I thought you might be shady." But obviously you're not, so let me help you, because I'm a public servant. That's what I should be doing. Jerry, let, let me ask you a question. You just why, Jerry? You sound you sound like you would have been a excellent police officer. Why would you? Why did you leave the police? Can I? If you don't want to answer, you don't have to. But why would you leave that? Because it sounds like you were a fantastic officer. I'll tell you what, here's exactly, I'll, I'll kind of give you the rundown a little bit of, so in my time, and as people who are watching, who can watch the video, obviously I got my five badges up there. The, the five badges are my tribal, my two locals, my state from a civil rights perspective in the federal. Um, why I left is there, there's a multi uh, full answer to this is one, Again, the system is somewhat broken. Two, bad cops can manage to stay in their jobs because of unions. Um, and I and and before anybody gets all pissed off about that, I'm a former union vice president. I'm a former union steward, state, city level. I get it. Um, but shitheads keep their jobs because of the unions sometimes. The unions are there to protect the lowest common denominator. And, and the other facet is to do the collective bargaining thing. 
I get the collective bargaining thing. But if they're shit employees, you cut them. I am merciless about that. So my first department, I was put in a position where my my police chief, uh, again, tribal department, uh, who my police chief, who wasn't of the tribe, was involved in a domestic against his adult daughter in his house on tribal property. Um, with that interchange, the police chief got potentially charged. I think it got washed away. Uh, but because I was the responding officer on the scene, I had to act. Um, I may or may not have written a charge against my police chief for domestic violence. Uh, that was a Friday, Monday, my walking papers came. Uh, so my problem is as a police op, as a former police officer is I had absolutely no compunction with in the enforcement of the law on law enforcement officers because they are held to a higher standard because they, they should know the law. They shouldn't break the law. It's their job to uphold the law. I am, I have no compunction of throwing those guys under the bus that break the law which made me a very unpopular cop wherever I went uh, with the exceptional one department. Uh, and it was, it was a very small town called the city of good thunder who my former chief, his son's a member of the craft. He's not. Um, when and admittedly for this chief, I worked for free. I was on the books technically as a paid officer. My salary was $1 a year. I went in and worked 20 hours a week for him. Because when I was talking with him, he said, in, in the conversation, he says, absolutely nobody whatsoever is above the law. You catch me drunk driving, you arrest me. And I said, and, and I volunteered. I'm like, I want to be a volunteer guy in your department. I'll work 20 hours a week. I already have my license. I'll work fully sworn. Um, and admittedly, it's also the same department where the mayor and the fire chief got arrested for DUI. <laughs> And it was on site for both of those. Uh, so the problem is with a lot of the blue wall of silence is you've got the guys that are very, uh, they, they have a lot of hope and a lot of faith in the system, but then it gets crushed out by guys that are mm, acting in their own self-interest. How's that? Ed? That's thanks for sharing that. I I wasn't because you sound like you were an excellent. You're the kind of police officer I'd want patrolling in my in my town. Well, well I mean, that's kind of the problem when people say a systemic issue. John's a case study for what they're talking about. <clears throat> the metaphor, you know, oh, it's only a few bad apples that gets tossed up all the time when something happens. I like that metaphor because the reason you get rid of bad apples is because if you don't, the entire barrel gets spoiled. And that, that, that's what's happened. The, the police's inability to expel bad apples has spoiled the entire barrel. Yeah. And, and admittedly, again, I, in defense of that, uh, of that colloquialism, there are, Admittedly, only really a few bad apples. But getting them out of the barrel is a bitch. There's no two ways about it. I, between, oh, yeah. So, 
admittedly, when you look again, when you look at law enforcement, it's public employment. There is no process of the government that is not protected under due process of law. So not only are you looking at regular employment, looking at regular labor law issues, you're looking at the added layer of that protection, the constitutional protection of due process of law. So it adds that third sphere to ejecting an individual, which makes it an uphill fight. And a lot of departments will give that up. I don't know if you guys remember my, uh, my story about the first criminal case I took out of law school. Uh, it was quite comical at the time. Jason had a field day with it. Uh, <laughs> I took, so the, the version we shared on the show before was I took this case, interviewed the client, figured out that this cop was just way out of line. Like, unbelievably out of line and all i could think of was oh i just can't wait to get this in the court and i'm gonna help cleanse our public servants of a bad apple and i came to find out that the cop that i was about to put on the stand and ruin his career so i thought uh, happened to be my neighbor who I only knew as always the roided up guy that was getting into screaming arguments with his wife or whatever dude was over there and causing disturbances of the peace. Didn't actually know he was a cop. Still the most fantastic coincidence in the world. Oh, it was unbelievable. Well, then my first thought was, I got to talk to the judge. I got to get off this case. And then I realized that that's never going to work because the judge is a black lady from the West end of our town who's surrounded by people. She puts in prison every day. She's not going to have any sympathy with me, so I didn't even ask. Uh, Fortunately, I managed to get the case dismissed before we had to go to trial, and I had to do this. But in the process of researching for trial, I found out said neighbor was a state police at the beginning of his career. And he was dismissed from the state police after a series of misconduct things. Um. Managed to then get a job in the big city police where he was also fired a while later and then got a job with our county's sheriff department where eventually he was caught lying under oath in the courtroom and the judge sanctioned him with he's not allowed to testify in my court anymore. And of course, as a sheriff's deputy, if you can't testify, you're you're kind of done. Useless. So he got canned there and got another job as a cop in a smaller city where he picked ran into my client. So I knew if I put this on this evidence on the first thing the judge was going to say is if he can't testify in that circuit court, I don't want him to testify in here either. Right. And then I was going to be left with my uh, rage issues neighbor who's now unemployed with lots of time on his hands and knows exactly <laughs> who he's to lose. But it goes to John's point. Of like, that was the very first case I dealt with in a criminal court at a law school. And it was just this long series of what do you do with a cop that's out of control? That's because well, he just I mean, becomes a cop somewhere else. So I, I, I will kind of dovetail onto that point. And I, I apologize to you guys for t- kind of, Running the gambit on the on the on the podcast, 
Well, you know, but, we had a big full docket of things to talk about tonight, and you right. Well, you know, our, our usual show, our usual you know docket our you usual know. docket of all, and what are you drinking? Um, so when, tonight extra of both. <laughs> when I when I left my first couple of departments, so I I left the travel department for the obvious uh, thing that was mentioned, and a couple other things that were really sporty. Um, cause tribal politics is a different bag of animals. Um, it's, it's really different. You have to be prepped when you go into it. And I was not. Right. I expected I, you to be. No, I mean, that was the thing. So admittedly, when I was, uh, dual majoring, my major in ethnic studies, I focused on Dakota, Lakota and Lakota studies. I mean, I can tell you all about the history of Crazy Horse. I can tell you about the Sioux Uprising in Minnesota and the Lacrosse efforts to freeze people. I can tell you about the efforts of Red Cloud to meet with the federal government and and seek the best ends for his people that he possibly could. I can tell you about all these things. But I didn't study modern tribal politics on reservations in the current era. And, oh, my God, did I get caught with my pants down. I mean, it really, it was, oh, it was a night and day difference I was not prepared for. Um, and, and it is what it is. Bless them. I, I, I still love all the Dakota, Lakota nations. Um, but it, it, it played out the way it did. But in when I was looking, uh, before I became a civil rights investigator for the state of Minnesota, I was still trying to get onto law enforcement, and this was before, even before I, I joined the Fed ranks and then left there. But I applied for a department in Minnesota that's uh, Mankato Police Department. Uh, Mankato is where I went to school. It's where I went and all my, did all my uh, graduate and undergraduate studies. Mankato State, uh, you know, you know, go Mavericks! I love them. But I applied to their police department, and at one point. Prior to that, I was a I was the uh, kind of director of security for two of the apartment complexes that surrounded uh, the Mankato State campus um, during the time of around 2001 to 2004, 2003-ish. The funny part is, in that time, we actually had a riot in Mankato um, during our homecoming game, uh, and it was it was pointed at the fact that hope that Mankato lost their homecoming game. Mankato hasn't won a homecoming game since about, you know, 2010, or let me rephrase that, uh, about eight, probably 810 before, you know, the white man even settled. We didn't win, we didn't win games, football. No, we didn't. But for some reason, everybody got lathered up and it caused a riot. I got to know a lot of the department guys during that time, and I thought I would eventually apply. And the background investigator uh, had taken me aside. I, I had gone through the silver review board. So I'm, I'm meeting with the mayor. I'm meeting with the city council and other people. I'm talking with them. I mean, people that have been in an interview with like two, three people, you have no idea. When you're sitting in front of a literal table of 12, that's a different, that's a different animal. They passed me on to the police department to do the background check. The background investigator, who I won't name, even though I really want to, um, he, he took me aside. He goes, you know, you're, you're not going to pass the background examination. So, well, why, why not? I'm, I'm former army. I've done this. I've got my security clearance still. 
I've done, you know, I, I, I've done, you know, contract work for the DOD. I've done these things. He goes, well, when you were doing that job for security, uh, you called us a lot. I'm like, well, yeah, because lawfully I couldn't engage with these problems. So, well, you, you created a lot of work for us. I said, come again. He's like, yeah, you, you, you create a lot of responses. I'm like, so I'm not going to get this job by you because I called you guys for assistance as I'm legally obligated to and to make sure that due process is followed. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, oh. so he, yeah, I mean, God's honest truth. That's how that conversation went. He was fired late. He was fired shortly thereafter from the department because he fell out of standing of the, the good boys group, the blue wall of silence. He's now a chief in a very small department in Southern Minnesota and will retire from that position. So to Harlan's point, guys that get kicked out of big departments can find small departments to work at because they're, they're bereft of candidates. The they, just want, they just want the guys that want the training they, they generally will look over the other stuff. John, let me ask you this question. Let's say, you know, take you back to that, uh, the, 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 the formal, the, what they call here, the formal interview. Uh, how would you answer this question? Where do your loyalties lie? With the mayor, the police chief, or the civilians? The civilians, the civilian strip select the mayor who selects the police chief i am my my duty lies into the protection and the assistance of the civilians of the jurisdiction in which i'm working the police and of the constitution of the state of minnesota and that of the united states government well back years ago i almost become all right uh, i'm not gonna say the terrible i almost become a police officer here in our neck of the woods yeah, I feel like you would make a good one, Marshall. Well, because of that, that was the question that was brought to me, the very last question of my of, of the uh, the formal interview. Yeah, I passed everything else with flying colors. Okay. And I was asked that specific question, and I answered pretty close to what you said. I said, you know, my loyalties lie with the with the citizens of this community. That's where my loyalties lie. They're the ones paying my paycheck. Essentially, yep. and uh, as soon as that come out of my mouth, I had two of the police officers that I was really close friends with about fell out of their chairs because they they expected me to answer it somewhat around that frame, but uh, they didn't expect me to be so blunt about it. And uh, well, because of that, I didn't. Of course, I didn't get the job. They hired a guy that uh, just recently got. Uh, got fired and went to another another small department. He's yeah. willing to toe the line. Yeah. That's the thing. So with, with, with rare exception of my law enforcement career, I have not met a chief with a couple of exceptions. And admittedly, I thank God I worked for one in the city of Good Thunder. Carl was the best guy I've ever met. He had a cop's cop. Um, but admittedly, I don't think I've met a chief that wasn't so inspired by his own image that he wouldn't drink his own bathwater. <laughs> I'm—I swear to God. I mean, I admit, I, 
I liked all the guys I worked for to some extent or another because I wouldn't have taken the jobs. But with the exception of Carl, they, they, I mean, holy shit, did they think they could walk on water? No. Mm. You're a servant to the public. You're a, not only are you a servant to the a public, you're an appointed servant of the public, with the exception of sheriffs, who have been appointed by an elected official who have been elected by the populace of the group in which you serve. When I was a travel cop, I was the only guy who never really had to use force because I had enough. One, what when I started on my reservation, there was a small gas station attached to the casino, kind of, that was owned by one of the guys in the tribe. That was kind of the, the, the hangout spot for the elders. And uh, my first day I walked in, and obviously, you guys have met me. I don't pass as native. If I was any more white, I'd be clear mm-hmm. I'm Irish. True. I walked in and I said, listen, my mentor taught me correctly. My mentor in college for from the ethnic studies department. My mentor taught me correctly. How can I help you? And they all looked at me like confused for a second. Like, where'd this crazy cracker come from? Right. I'm like, no, seriously. My job is to help you. What is this help need- you speak of? That's where you right. beat your stick, right? Right. Yeah. No. Let me nightstick you to show you how I can help you. No, it's <laughs> let me under the ground. So I mean, I'm sitting at a table, this unofficial table of like six or eight elders of the tribe who you know hang out there, talk shit, and smoke. I'm like, what can I do? What do you need me to do? How can I help? And from that point forward, it it worked because I. So, like, uh, another cop story is I showed up to a fight at the casino because we had a casino on a reservation. And it was one of our guys in the tribe who was probably the third, I would say the third biggest guy in the tribe who looked like a shaved bear. I mean, Byron was a big cat. And some asshole had picked a fight with him, some white guy from an, off the reservation. And they're arguing. I show up and I'm starting to talk to this guy, the, the, the guy who's not a tribe, a tribal member. I'm like, you need to go serve the blah, blah, blah. And Byron's chewing in my ear. And I work around. I'm like, and he starts with it. You work for me, blah, 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 blah. I turn around. I'm like, listen, I understand. I'm trying to defuse the situation. And I see that you're big. However, I'm Irish. I will climb up there. I will pull out your eyes and I will skull, sit down and shut up. And he just like blinked like twice and sat down. I dealt with this asshole. I arrested him. And I talked to the guy after the fact. I'm like, listen, does, does this meet your metric? Are you okay with it? He's like, yeah, nobody's ever like tried to solve this problem like this before. Nobody's ever heard my point, And nobody certainly talked to me like that before. You fast forward three months later when him and his mom are like at gunpoint with each other because they're in a domestic because it, it's a reservation and shit's crazy. My partner is already threatening to shoot him as I show up. And I'm like, hey, Byron. He looks over. He's like, hey, is that you, John? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing with the shotgun? Goes, well, I'm, I'm about to shoot your partner. I'm like, that's not the answer. What are you doing with the shotgun? I'm putting it down. You're right. You are. Come here. And he, he came over. 
I I had to take him to detox. I didn't take him to I didn't take him cuffed, and I transported him in my front seat, not behind the cage, because I had built that rapport with him, and said, "Hey, you give me a fair shake, I give you a fair shake. I treat you like a man, you treat me like a man. That's it. That's community policing. That's how that's supposed to work." Oh, I'm, I am I am 100% supportive of community policing. Uh, but I'm also, uh, the training that you had, or have, I shouldn't say had because you still have that training. Uh, the training you have is very, is what allowed you to uh, deal, deal with the situations that, uh, like you have. Now, uh, as a law enforcement officer, because I don't know, I'm curious, Take away what the training that you provided yourself, so to speak. As a law enforcement officer, what training did you take? What training, what uh, extra training did you have every year or whatever? What, I mean, what was all that about? So, admittedly, in Minnesota, our, our Peace Officers Standards and Training Board, you have to have a minimum of a two year degree or five years outside of the state to get licensed to be a law enforcement officer in the state of Minnesota. Uh, so I had that. I, I admittedly, I had a four-year degree in law enforcement. Uh, but a lot of the guys I went through our skills academy. Now, for for you guys in, 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 in your neck of the weeds, because I, I kind of understand how it works there. In Minnesota, you pay to go through a police academy. You're not sponsored by a police department. Nobody pays it for you. It, it's like a college course. You pay to go through these courses. And once you get through these courses, you're certified to get hired as a law enforcement officer in Minnesota. And they may put you through more, or they may not, depending on what the department has. Um, so additionally into that, we pay, uh, in Minnesota to be a cop, you pay your way. There's no two ways about it. Now, admittedly, in light of, current circumstances that obviously that formula may not pay out. However, in addition to that, I double majored. I, I wanted to be a tribal cop when I, when I was going through all my law enforcement training, I wanted to be a tribal cop. That was what I wanted to do. So I double majored. I, I went to school for ethnic studies. I took the time to understand the Dakota language. I can't speak it. I, I at the time I couldn't understand it now, but at the time I certainly couldn't speak it, but I could understand most of it, um, which is really fun. I'll tell you a different story when we're offline about drunken Dakota being transferred. It, it's a hoot. Um, but I took, in addition to that, I took emergency management coursework of my own free and free will and accord. I learned the the the, the FEMA response to major incidences. I learned, well, admittedly, my own personal studies, I read Stoic literature. I, I still do. I read Seneca. I read Marcus Aurelius. I read Epictetus. I was, uh, I was a member of the craft as I was going through school. So I read these writings of these great individuals that went before us to get a mindset of what it means 
to be selfless in service, to look at the greater uh, uh, benefit of our fellow man, to engage in charity, to engage in the uh, those things that hold our, and I, I'm trying not to tilt my Masonic hand and show my cards, but those things that, that make a society great. So I think those things help me. But again, those things help me as a person. Those things help me as a member of my community. If I wanted to stay in the law enforcement profession, those things might have hurt me. Because I thought outside the box. I thought from a holistic perspective. I thought of long ball, of what would this this action of arresting this individual would do to his family, to his kids, how it would screw up his life from the get from this point forward over is it something that would be a petty misdemeanor i could write him a ticket and cut him loose or could i chew his ass for a while reasonably and then follow up with him a couple days and say hey do you need help dealing with these things um those things made me a good cop those things made me a good person as a cop but from a systemic perspective those things may have made me a bad cop because it didn't fit. I was not a cog that fit well in the machine. Well, the reason why I was asking it is like, uh, I know like, like, you know, here you got to go through police Academy, uh, which is the hell, I don't know, three, three or four months, I guess. Yep. Uh, and after that, you put, you know, you get your, you know, you get your ride along training or whatever they call it. Uh, your rookie training. Uh, which is basically in the car with with another officer, and I know um, I know every year you got to, you know you got to do so many hours. Uh, if I'm mistaken, it's like uh, 120 hours. If I'm mistaken, but I'm not for sure on that. You know, don't quote me. But uh, there's so many hours you got to do every year for different yeah the, the in service learning and stuff. Yep. Yeah, we have and, a th- every, for ours it's 45 hours every three years because you come in with that. Well, college background. The the point of it is, is like, is uh, you know, everybody talks about this, you know, the systemic, you know, police, you know, systemic law. Period. Well, here here's my whole thing with that is, okay, why are we training, not training these guys enough? So you know, we talked about earlier about the defunding of the police. Take it funding and put more funding to it. Train these guys, and let me let me explain why. Okay, I was on a fire department for quite a few years here here in this local area. Yeah, God save you. We get called out on a house fire. Go fight the house fire. We get back to the station. So I'm already amped up for the you know just deal with the house fire. Get called out. You know, two or three hours later, boom! I'm pulling kids out of cars. Okay. The police department has to deal with the same stuff that we do, okay? Uh, they'll go to domestic one minute, traffic stop the next. So they're amped up, you know, and, you know, in a, you know, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, uh, protecting their own lives in, in a situation to pull somebody over because they were speeding. They have no time to depress, you know, to get their stress levels down. Levels down. And how can you, and I see a lot of, 
a lot of things happening with a lot of things with what you was talking about earlier. I see a lot of things happening, like, you know, there, you know, uh, say for instance, you just in, was, you know, uh, uh, talking somebody off, off the ledge from killing themselves or something as a police officer. Okay, so you got that running through your head. You're human, okay? And then you pull over this car and you walk up and they instantly start screaming at you. You pull me over because I'm this or you pull me over because I'm that. Okay. There is where I have the issue with, especially everything is going on now. Uh, I don't, you know, of course I don't, you know, condone any brutality at all. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's completely uncalled for, but People are all in this uproar over this whole mess and they're not considering what the job actually is. You know, they see what, what the, what everybody, what the, the facility is, understands what the job actually is. And they're not taking all that into account in all this mess. And that's where, that's where mainly I have my issues on this whole rioting crap and that's why i'm completely against it uh one of the reasons yeah, why i i i i agree um again and like i said earlier protesting and rioting are two different animals completely two different yeah. animals. um but when you're talking about that because you mentioned the the, the in-service learning and stuff and admittedly so i've been a use force instructor i've been a taser instructor when I when I first started doing my continuing ed credits after college, I'm like, all right, yeah, yeah, Taser. I want to be a Taser certified guy. I want to be a use of force guy. I want to be I want to be the, the hard charger. Blah blah blah. I want to be the guy that teaches other people how to kick ass and take names. That that again, that's kind of the inculcated uh, uh, culture of what you're trained in. Of you know, go out there, beat ass, solve crimes, haul people to jail. Great. But, which is, I get it. There, there's a, a time and place for that. Again, you know, I, I've got my SWAT sir. I'm a former canine guy. I get that. Trust me, I loved it when I had to let my canine off the leash. There was, I, I, that was fun for me. I'm not going to lie. But I didn't let my canine off the leash unless I absolutely had to and had a reason to. When, when that line was crossed, party time. It was fun to watch Bear eat people. I mean, I mean, he used to chew up the inside of my squad car, so I know what he could do to other people. But the thing is, with when you're looking at this this continuing ed, you know, yeah, cops have to they keep training, keep up with their with their database, their knowledge base, their skill sets. What I would in, I would implore these guys to do is, hey, go to like. In, in the state of Minnesota, you go on the post board, there's a list of approved classes, you can find extra classes. You go down that list, you look at that one class that makes you utterly, completely uncomfortable of like, oh my God, I would never take that class. And then you sign up for it. You, 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 you open your scope. Because like one of the classes I took, I mean, admittedly, it's so like, I'm trading nuclear radiological response. I'm I'm trading biological response. I'm trading in in shit you need to show up 
in a Tyvek suit and a gas mask for. One of the classes I took was interviewing uh, uh, juvenile victims of sex trafficking. Oh my God. That was outside of my scope. It was the most horribly uncomfortable class I took. But at the same time, that opened mental gateways to me of how I discuss things with people. And not even with people in that circumstance, just in general. Because it, it opens you to that perspective of humanity that you weren't exposed to before and that you were afraid of. And I understand that fear. But at the same time, with the job of law enforcement, part of it is going headlong into the fear. And you do these complicated classes and you expand. Don't You don't specialize in these skill sets because God knows we have enough taser instructors. We have enough firearms instructors. We have enough baton instructors until uh, the end of days. But look at being that guy who really understands community policing. Look at that guy who really understands the impact of, uh, of victim issues of you know of trafficking issues of you know okay i'm busting drug dealers what about their families what about the people that they've affected look into those things because you need to take a holistic oh, I... stance on what your actions do in law enforcement and i understand i'm armchair quarterbacking a bit but kind of not because i've been there you have to have a holistic grasp of what your actions and the actions in which and Mario different situations and I think I think we will have What's the actual damn it hell I think I truly I truly believe that you know that it would create better officers uh, and and instill the more of the community policing that way. Yeah, that's I, I agree with that. Good old boy system because yep. that's a big that's one of the big problems too. I mean, I'm not well, and, I and, hate and to be that proper, guy. Prop, proper staffing is an issue with law enforcement officers and proper time off to to diffuse from the situations in which you've been involved is also a big thing. But again, like you pointed out, law enforcement, you're dealing with one thing and then you have to go to the next thing and you have to go to the next thing. The problem is you deal with, like you said. You talk to me off a ledge, you go to a traffic stop, that person starts chewing your ass. It's not for that person to understand where you've been, unfortunately, because of what you do. It, it, it falls on you to be able to self-regulate and govern your responses as, as hard as they may have been to have solved, to, to have kept that person from committing suicide or from coming from that death report or that homicide scene you immediately have to compartmentalize that. The other issue with law enforcement is from the behind the blue line is you don't ever want to admit weakness. You don't ever want to admit to your fellow guys that you have to see a therapist, that there's issues at home, that there's these things going on. But there has to be, you have to do that. You have to self-care. You have to be brave enough to force to, to face those things and say, yeah, guess what? That last call, it really screwed me up. So I have to take time off because this may have made me nuts and taking that time off. But the systemic issues of the culture of the uh, uh, 
blue wall of silence, those guys will ride you. But the problem is most of those guys will ride you because they have never experienced it and they're talking out of their ass. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to be that guy, but I think the Tyler is like turning off the lights on us. Um, right. That's probably true. Yeah. So YouTube is, well, I guess the video is still feeding, but uh, I think we've already lost Bruce and Tony, so... Need to... Yeah, I, I, sorry guys, I didn't mean to get on the soapbox and take over the uh, oh. podcast. That was not my intent. Well, this is what happens. This is the difference between a 1 a.m. and a 3 a.m. after lodge evening. Um, it's also sometimes... why after lodge, because sometimes that happens. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. I uh, Did anybody else have anything for the like two listeners that yeah, are still please. doing the YouTube thing before we... Uh, Sorry, guys. Oh, don't don't apologize. That's um, that's what we do. I uh, it's rare that the After Lodge podcast gets into this kind of depth, so um, we always enjoy it when it does. But we also have to be cognizant of our uh, YouTube streaming that we don't pay for. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I don't know if it's Jitsi or YouTube that keeps. <clears throat> trying to cut the feed. Either way. Um... So on Saturday, the Grand Commandery session of the state of Minnesota is happening. If you want to hear me strike people down as a jurisprudence share for being stupid, by all means, tune in. Yeah, you, you're, you're, of course, going to share whatever Zoom link with us so we can eavesdrop, right? right. Yeah, well, you know, that may or may not happen. I'm not going to confirm or deny that. Okay. Uh, I, I will make sure to wear a mask like Tony's while we... <laughs> Make sure there's more like breathing holes in it, so I don't see your face get collapsed inward when you yeah, take breath. That was the funny part. My <laughs> medieval plague mask has a vape hole in it, so I yeah, can... you might you might want to pop those eye lenses out, Tony. So you have some breathing holes around your eyeballs. That is, that is quality. I gotta get one of those. Well, you can find one at your local adult toy store as well. <laughs> 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 the doctor, the doctor is in. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, um, this is thanks for listening to episode two hundred forty-seven. Hey, y'all see that? No dubbing this time. Huh? <laughs> uh, the After Lodge podcast. Harlan, are you sure you did the math right? I'm right. Uh, I'm reasonably sure. Okay. Uh, this episode of the After Lodge podcast has been brought to you by Springfield Military Surplus. Uh, <laughs> Stop by and pick up your own armored personnel carrier. Um, and in the meantime, you can f- use the offer code after lodge to get 10% off. And uh, check out the show notes at www.afterlodge.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at After Lodge. Shoot us an email at afterlodge at gmail.com. Hang out with us on IRC at irc.snoonet.org, pound sign Freemasonry. And uh, we're also on the Apple and Google podcast stores. And soon to be on the uh, Amity Lodge app. So uh, I'm hoping to get a couple of those guys here to share some more about their project. It's some pretty cool work they're doing. Uh, check those guys out. And yeah, we got to get them on. Till next week, brothers. Uh, stay away from the Rona. <laughs> Later, guys. Gotcha. Later. Later.